Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the weekend. Day 11 of training camp is here as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 265. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with both Ben Fennell and Chris McPherson to talk about what we saw from a soggy practice down at the NovaCare Complex. The Eagles had to move practice indoors to the practice bubble, so we were able to take in uh, some practice on the inside. First time this training camp that they have had to go inside due to inclement weather, so... Before we uh, get into that, I want to quick remind you, the regular season is upon us. We're, we're only a week away um, from final cuts, which means that this 53-man roster is coming together. The regular season version of this podcast is coming. And guess what? I've got two episodes a week coming for you starting a week from Monday. So if you, if you enjoy our podcast with Greg Cosell in season every week, yeah, we've got that, and then I've got a little bit more of a surprise for you as we keep going throughout the course of the week. So if you're excited for it, let me know. Go on to our Apple Podcast page. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from all of you. If you've got a question about this Eagles team heading into the season, now's the time to go on, leave that question. I will answer it here on the show next time we record. So now that that's out of the way, let's get into our chat now. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, well, back for another Saturday edition of the Eagle on the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, Chris McPherson, Ben Fennell. Uh, guys, uh, practice a little, was a little bit wet down in uh, South Philly this morning, so uh, the Eagles moving practice from the outside, from the fields, into the practice bubble, so... Uh, everything a little bit more condensed, uh, less of a media presence. It was a 60-yard field instead of uh, having you know three practice fields to be able to work with. But Eagles got some work in today, uh, a handful of team periods that we'll kind of touch through. Um, you know, the team worked in shorts and in tops with helmets. So not a full-bore practice, not full pads, but uh, we, we were able to take it in, C-Mac. And I'll go to you um, just to kick things off as we have over the last couple of weeks with – Injuries, days off, you know, take us through position by position. Any updates to the depth chart? Let's see. So the big one, I guess we'll just jump into the offensive line. Head coach Doug Pearson confirming that Andre Dillard with the bicep injury is done for the season. We'll get into what the lineup was today and, and what that means going forward in a little bit later on in the podcast. But that was confirmed Lane Johnson still date today with a lower body injury. So he's not out there on the field taking reps. Miles Sanders still not at running back. Dallas Goddard given a maintenance day off here on Saturday, so he was not on the field. Quez Watkins was added to the injury report. He's day-to-day. I believe it's a lower body injury. I'm just scanning through my notes here real quick. So, uh, no, sorry, upper body injury for Quez Watkins. I want to make sure I had that correct. So he was on the sidelines today. Defensive line, Derek Barnett starting to do individual drills, so he's it looks like he's getting closer. Uh, to getting back in the field, or I should say doing some work with the trainer. So he's making some progress on his end. Vinny Curry, day-to-day with the lower body injury, he is still sidelined. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Linebacker, nothing to note. Uh, defensive back, Sidney Jones, took part in team drills for the first time here in training camp. So 
optimistic sign for him, obviously, with, you know, just a little over really one week before the Eagles have to get down to the 53-player limit. He's got to make that final push if he's going to crack this active roster. Uh, Marcus Epps also returned to action. He had been sidelined with a lower body injury today. So from an injury standpoint, the big one there, obviously, is that the confirmation that the injury that Dillard suffered in the one-on-ones on Thursday, uh, the biceps injury, will indeed keep him out for the 2020 regular season. Yeah, something C-Mac, you and I talked about um, for sure in the last episode. Make sure you go check that out. Uh, if you haven't already, it was uh, Thursday's episode. Um, C-Mac, the, you know, the big one for Sidney Jones as well. You know, the first time in just over a week that he's been able uh, to return to the field. He did start training camp doing full, you know, his full participant, uh, but then got dinged up and has been absent for a handful of days now and just now returning uh, to team drills. Good for Sidney to be able to, uh, you know, be present for that final stretch as he's going to be able to fight uh, to try and make this roster um, real quick. We'll just kind of talk about the, uh, the offensive line because um, we get, we were able to see it uh, in our live stream, which you can follow uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on all the Eagles, social media channels, as well as the Eagles mobile app, PhiladelphiaEagles.com um, with myself and Dave Spadaro. We saw what the offensive line looked like today. So we got to see Matt Pryor getting the, the reps at left tackle, Sayamalu Kelsey, both in place at left guard and center, Jason Peters still at right guard and Jordan Mailata getting the reps at right tackle. So when Doug Peterson was asked today about, all right, well, who, who steps in for, uh, you know, for Andre Dillard, he mentioned, look, it's going to, it's open right now. You, you know, they know that Jason Peters at the drop of a hat could go and play left tackle. He's done it for the last, you know, 20 years. He can go and do it. What they want to see is, Hey, are any of these other young guys able to come in? What is our best five? What is our best five combination? That's something we've talked about here on this podcast as they're rotating through different combinations and, uh, you know, left tackle notwithstanding what they've done at right guard at right tackle with Lane Johnson out, what they've done when Jason Kelsey has stepped out. They've held Jason Kelsey out to, you know, put Nate Herbig in uh, with the starters. You're trying to get a sense of with all these different situations, who is your best five? So you've got Matt, uh, Matt Pryor, who has played a couple of different positions for this Eagles offensive line over the couple of years. Now he's going to get his shot at left tackle. Tomorrow, we might see Mylotta again. We've seen Mylotta there uh, throughout the course of camp. It might be the rookie, Prince Tegoanogo. Let's see him. Let's see, let's see Jack Driscoll. Let's see what he looks like uh, over on the left side. He didn't play it at Auburn, but he played it earlier in his career at UMass. So just kind of slide these pieces around. See if you can find that best five. What does that best five look like uh, for this Eagles offensive line? I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the next few days. It's, again, knowing Jason Peters can always make that move over to the left tackle spot. Well, it's not only becoming comfortable at the positions they're playing, but developing the chemistry and being comfortable with your adjacent linemen as well. So while Peters has played left tackle, has worked with Sayamala at left guard, keeping him at right guard and letting him work with Malata at right tackle is maybe a combination that isn't as familiar. So making sure that they're comfortable with whoever's going to be to the left and right of those offensive linemen, also important. So when you get to the regular season, there are no surprises and no scenarios that you haven't covered. No, it's a very, very good point. I think it's just something, obviously, I think everybody in the media is going to have their eyes peeled on what this offensive line rotation looks like. Um, c one thing you and I discussed uh, earlier today, you know, when we were sitting at the NoCare Complex, was the other thing that I don't think we have, none of us have really talked about was, would the best move be moving Lane Johnson from right tackle to left tackle? And, uh, you know, the, again, you don't want to move too many pieces around. But just getting a set, again, if you're trying to find 
those best five, if you deem, hey, you know what, Jack Driscoll, he's gotten all of his reps on the right side. Maybe he he is one of our best five. We want to keep him at right tackle. Let's move Lane over to the left tackle. You know, I'm just spitballing here. It could be anybody that we're talking about on the right side. But, again, you're trying to find that best combination of the five best players to get on the field at once. It's interesting that you brought that up because when Lane Johnson was drafted with the fourth overall pick back in 2013 – he was drafted to eventually take over for Jason Peters at left tackle. Problem is that Jason Peters just kept excelling and making Pro Bowls on that side, while Lane Johnson became arguably the best right tackle in the entire game, and the Eagles deemed it valuable enough to say, all right, you're dominating on that side. You know, the way that pass rushers are moved around in the game, fine. Let's keep him there. He's a fixture there. We're good. And you got Peters there. On the left side, when Andre Dillard was drafted, it was expected that Dillard would eventually take over the left tackle position. So it is certainly an option. You know, it'd be interesting on, again, we're two weeks and a day from the regular season opener on against Washington on September 13th. You want to get that chemistry. You want to get those guys gelling as quickly as possible. And Lane is still not on the practice field day to day with that lower body injury, Ben. Yeah, you know, and Howie Roseman does a great job in always churning the bottom of the roster. And as we sit here in very late August, two weeks to the opener, Fran, do you feel like the roster is set and done with all the movement between now and potentially week one? We're going to see a lot of cuts around the league in the next two weeks, obviously trimming those rosters down. Do you feel like the 80 guys out there on the practice field for the Eagles are what we're going to be looking at heading into week one? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that usually your, your roster's at 90 at this point and you're churning out those, but you're seeing a little bit more movement. Obviously, being down to 80 already, I feel like we've seen a little bit less movement, not just in Philadelphia, but around the league this year uh, in terms of how teams are churning them out because of the different protocols uh, with COVID-19. But look, you know, I think going in, the, the big thing is you're always looking for ways to improve your roster. And so if somebody shakes loose uh, on the final cuts a week from today, by the way, which is, is crazy to think about that we're only a week away from final cuts. Um, you know, if somebody shakes loose that can improve the bottom end of your roster, yeah, you're, you're going to take that shot. You know, depending on, what, on the position and things like that, that'll be interesting to see. I, I don't know that, um, you know, everything's locked in place. But uh, the next few days are, are going to be huge for a lot of guys fighting for these spots and starts uh, CMAC tomorrow uh, with that scrimmage and Lincoln Financial Field, which we will be uh, able to take in live tomorrow at the link. I, I was just going to bring up the scrimmage, how important that is going to be for these young guys. That's why when we talk about Sidney Jones getting back on the field, I mean, this is basically going to be their preseason game, their chance to really prove themselves. You are doing that each and every day in practice, but that you're going to have some live situations there. Really, really critical for those guys who are on the bubble to rise to the occasion. And I think when it comes to Ben's question about who's going to be on this 53, not so much next Saturday when the rosters are cut down at 4 p.m. I think it's really when the waivers start going and you go into Sunday and Monday. But the big thing is – you didn't have preseason games. You didn't have your, your pro scouts, your advanced scouts, to be able to go to these other team sites to see these guys play, to see, all right, you know, by our estimation, these are the bubble guys. Let's see which of these guys are shining and might be an improvement upon who we have. That's one of the effects, unfortunately, of COVID is not just that your guys don't get the preseason action, but it's that you don't get to see the guys around the league. So you might have more trust, so to speak, in the guys who have been in your virtual program, who have been with you through these couple uh, past weeks that train camp practices have gone on, Ben? 
Yeah, and those pro scouts doing all that work on those August preseason games, a lot of that work and film study carries throughout the regular season. That maybe you have an injury halfway through the year, suddenly you're you're thin at a position, you need to see who's out there. Sheesh, we only saw him in two preseason games. What are our notes? And sometimes those little nuggets will carry through November and December on something you saw back in August from a rookie that hasn't played in the regular season. So really interesting that we don't have that tape of preseason games to evaluate and to keep in the, the back pocket of player evaluations. I mean, so another off. thing Go I ahead. just want to bring up here, when it comes about talk about you guys on your roster, Doug Peterson uh, told Dave Spadaro on the Eagles Insider podcast, which should be out by the time that our podcast here today comes out, that you have to have trust in your guys. And as coaches, you have to develop your guys. And that's the challenge for this coaching staff right now is, okay, you know, there's some attrition, early attrition here at the offensive line spot. You know, it's happening early where you lose Brandon Brooks. You know, you have Lane Johnson that's on the field. You lose Andre Dillard, who you're expecting to take over that left tackle position. All right, look, this is the – the card, these are the cards that have been dealt to us. This is the hand that's been dealt to us. It's time for us as coaches to, you know, teach these guys, develop these young guys, and see what they have. I just want to touch real quick. We got to hear from Jordan Mailata and Matt Pryor following practice. Uh, Matt Pryor saying that, you know, he's going to take advantage of whatever opportunity is presented to him. He feels comfortable at all four of the spots, the two tackle, two guard positions. He said, I'm not touching center. I'm not messing with center whatsoever um but the big thing is he was hoping that once Brandon Brooks was injured back in the early summer that he was going to get that first crack at the right guard job but he understands that to have a future hall of famer like Jason Peters a veteran to come in and you know make that switch there he he understood the business side of it but you know for him it's wherever they're going to put me I'm going to try to take advantage of it and it's been helpful that he got to have those late season reps after Brandon Brooks got hurt uh, suffering a shoulder injury in week 17 against the Giants and then getting the play in the preseason game next to Big V. Because here's the other thing is he hasn't really played next to Lane Johnson. You know, that playoff game, Big V was your starting right tackle in the game because Lane Johnson had been sidelined. So there's going to need to be some chemistry there that has to be developed. Jordan Mailata, just extremely confident if he has to go in and play his first regular season game, obviously hurt by the lack of preseason. He said from a confidence standpoint, it was a little shaken last year when he had to make the transition from left tackle and they asked him to, to move to right tackle just because he already was trying to learn everything at left tackle, not with no football experience, you know, until he was drafted in the seventh round by the Eagles in 2018. And then he has to go to the right side and, you know, he was just feeling good at left tackle. He felt good with the mechanics, felt good with the playbook and then having to adjust, you know, all of the, the handwork, the techniques, the tendencies, you know, learning the angles, the pass set angles, the drop back, how far you drop back, just it shook his confidence for a little bit, but it made him eventually realize, okay, this is what he wants to do. This is what he wants to be. He wants to excel. He knows that this is his time, his third year in the NFL uh, with no regular season action. He knows how important it is that if he's called upon to play in a regular season game, that he's got to be able to deliver. So good to see the confidence out of Jordan Mailata. But both guys, I think, really just eager for whatever opportunities are going to come their way, uh, possibly in a couple of weeks at Washington. 
So let's get into the action that we uh, were able to take in today, C-Mac, and we'll start a uh, handful of team periods. First one uh, was the starting offense, so the, the first team offense against the backups on defense. A couple of short completions uh, from Carson Wentz, a couple of short runs from uh, Boston Scott and from, uh, from Corey Clement. The biggest play for me came defensively, actually. A really nice pass breakup uh, from rookie defensive back Elijah Riley, who's been working in the slot, uh, had a pass breakup on a downfield throw intended for Greg Ward. It just seems like Riley just is constantly around the ball. We saw him live down at the Shrine Bowl last year in St. Petersburg, C-Mac. Um, you know, he's, he's done a nice job at camp. I feel, it felt weird today because every time Riley makes a play, I'm on the sideline. I always turn over to our, our good friend Bo Wolf from The Athletic, and Bo always gives us a fist pump because that's, uh, that's his guy, Elijah Riley. <laughs> uh, but today, obviously, could not do that. But uh, Riley, just continuing to show up every day. Yeah, he's been utilized as, as a backup nickel corner there. Um, real feisty, comes from Army. Uh, you know, is a guy that I don't think is going to be able to crack the 53 given the depth that they have there at nickel. But you're looking for a guy you could bring on the practice squad and be a guy who can push, you know, the starters to make a play like that against Greg Ward, who obviously had that game-winning catch last year against Washington. Great for his confidence. And it's great that he's going to be a guy to help sharpen some of these other, other guys on this team. Uh, also enjoy the coverage from Kayvon Wallace. Been looking forward to see him uh, make some play, plays here. He had a nice uh, – uh, pass coverage helped force an incompletion to um, – it was later on in the period. So, good to see that as well. It's good to see these young guys, just the depth of this roster. You know, Ben talking about the Harry Roseman and how he turned the bomb of the roster. Just the bomb of the roster, I feel like here on this 80-man squad has been really, really strong throughout the summer. So, the next period, they go uh, second-team offense now against the starters on defense. Um, Nate Gary gets a tackle for loss uh, on an outside run to the right. Um, you know, nice play. Obviously, wasn't a tackle to the ground, but was able to uh, you know, fly into the backfield, make a play. You saw a little bit of the range there, the short area burst. Josh Sweat uh, had a nice sack coming off the left side. I believe Prince Tegawanogo was the left tackle, uh, showed some power to kind of collapse the pocket against the rookie. We've seen that uh, consistently this summer from Josh Sweat. And then Sean Bradley uh, getting home on basically what was a coverage sack uh, of Jalen Hurts. Ben, I'd like to get your thoughts on Nate Garrett. We haven't talked too much about Nate. We've talked about how they're, they're constantly kind of rotating those linebackers. Um, you know, we've seen uh, Duke Riley. We've seen TJ Edwards in there next to Nate Gary. What did you see from Nate Gary last year? It was the first time we really got to see extensive uh, action for him on defense, and now it seems like he's going to be the three-down linebacker for this team. What did you see from Nate last year? Well, there's two major traits that I think stand out, particularly when watching him on the practice field. He's playing so much faster, you know, that transition from the safety position to being a true off-ball linebacker in the NFL. Took a full calendar year, you know, to really get your eyes settled and understand the action in the box. The other thing, he just looks and feels so much stronger, Fran. And coming from that safety pedigree and adding a good, healthy 10, 15 pounds in the NFL, you just see when he gets the ball carriers, he's finishing them more. He's not allowing them to fall forward. You just see that aggressive mentality. And he's, he's always had the edge to his game, but he's obviously being the former safety defensive back, moving to linebacker. We know he had to get stronger. He had the foot speed. He had the lateral quickness. He had those short area bursts. You just really needed to get stronger and get comfortable with the position. Over the last 18 months, I think those two things in particular really stand out. I think when you look, if you're an Eagles fan and you look at the career path of Nate Gary, who played safety at Nebraska, um, I actually evaluated him as a safety. You know, I didn't even see like, oh, you know, he has to make the move the linebacker. The Eagles certainly uh, felt that that would be the case. You look at Nate Gary, the weight that he's put on, he did not make the team 
out of training camp. He was on the practice squad his first year. I think when you look at that and you think about the career arc for what Davion Taylor is going to have to go through over the next year, two years, right? Where obviously Davion Taylor, he's going to be on the 53. He's a third round pick, but has to earn his way on special teams. That's where he can show his value early as he continues to grow physically, understand how to play the linebacker position from a stacked alignment, uh, you know, learn how to deal with contact, get off blocks, finish one-on-one as a ball, as a uh, tackler against ball carriers. Those are things that Nate Gary had to be able to do. And then what do you hear? You hear uh, Ken Flagel, the Eagles linebacker coach, speaking with the media in recent weeks, talking about Nate Gary. He's got high-speed internet, the way that he processes things from the linebacker position. He had to grow into that, right? And I think when you're looking at Davion Taylor, that's the kind of evolution you're looking for from him moving forward, not just this year, you know, moving forward into year two and year three. You know, that safety to linebacker transition is really becoming more popular the last two, three, four years out of college. Previously, we only had, you know, the Thomas Davises of the world coming out of Georgia as a safety to a true off-ball linebacker. But you're seeing it every year from college to the pros, that little bit of a heavier safety projecting to be that more athletic linebacker. It's becoming a pretty popular trend, and I think Nate Gary has done a great job in kind of acclimating himself with the uh, position switch. You know, speaking of linebackers uh, transitioning away from Nate Garrett for a second here, we also saw the dime package out there with Will Parks, and it goes to how you guys have said consistently on this podcast that Will Parks is going to be a big part of this team, not just on special teams, but also he's going to have some quality reps on defense. So uh, interesting to see there as we, we get a look at some of these packages as we get closer to the start of the regular season and where guys might eventually be lining up come week one that Will Parks will have that role with, you know, that ability to blitz, the ability to drop back in coverage. And, Ben, you said this time and time again. He had that versatility when he was with the Denver Broncos, and it looks like that Jim Schwartz and Mark Juan Manuel are going to take advantage of it here in Philly. Yep, no question. It seems like he's going to be a a really important role player uh, for this defense. All right, so next team period, uh, again, starting offense against the backups on defense. Uh, Nice run by Boston Scott, kind of showed some juice uh, getting up to the second and third level. Uh, Corey Clement had a nice little run as well. He got some movement from the offensive line. Quick screen to Jalen Rager. I thought he looked explosive, kind of showed off how he's got that second gear uh, after the catch to be able to, you know, pull away and pick up extra yardage. And then the biggest play of the day uh, on offense, C-Mac. Play action, deep post route, Carson Wentz to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, good to see those two guys uh, hook up once again. Yeah, the, the rookie Michael Jaquette was in, in coverage. You know, just unfair when you're going against someone with De- Deshaun Jackson who can sell the route. You know, looks like he's going to go to corner and then gets up to the post there. Um, just great job selling the route there. Um, but Deshaun Jackson looks like that he's, he's got it. Okay, there, there were concerns, questions about having the surgery that he had. Would that take away some of his speed? And, you know, the fact that he has become such a, a much more refined, better route runner in his career certainly helps to maximize the speed that he still has. And he still has, you know, that top level athleticism on top of it, Ben. Is he ever going to slow down? <laughs> Seems like these speedy guys just keep that speed into the early, mid, late 30s. It's like, when are these guys ever going to lose a step? I just figure he's going to retire, go to some over 40 rec league, and still be the fast guy out there, you know, killing it at the Y when he's 50, 60 years old. He has not lost a step, and it's really impressive. Yeah, I, uh, I was, was, was going to say, just, just a couple things on, on defense. I thought uh, Sean Bradley did a great job filling a hole to, to stop Boston Scott one play during this part of the of practice. Uh, we saw also a pitch where Davion Taylor wasn't fooled 
either. So good recognition. Uh, I discipline from him there as well. So next team period, you got the uh, the twos on offense against the starters on defense. Uh, first play, Josh Sweat flies into the backfield, gets a, a tackle for loss. He kind of wraps up Elijah Holyfield. We saw that ex- explosive first step uh, from Josh Sweat on that play. He's been getting all the reps with the ones, guys, uh, on the right side in place of Derek Barnett, especially with Vinnie Curry on the sideline. But even before Vinnie got hurt, I feel like Josh Sweat started to get more of those first-team reps. Uh, Malik Jackson and Jalen Mills kind of combined uh, to get home for a little bit of a sack. It was, I think, I believe this was like a blitz period. Um, and he was there, Those guys were able to get home. Uh, Jalen Hurts uh, took off for a long run on his own read. We've seen that time and time again uh, here this summer. And then I mentioned the Josh Sweat TFL. Sharif Miller late in the, in the drill um, had one similar on the opposite side. So he was lined up on the left side at defensive end, uh, flew into the backfield to get a little bit of a uh, tackle for loss, wrapping up Adrian Killens. I'm excited, guys, to just see Josh Sweat. Uh, you know, what are the, this is going to be, what, year three now uh, for him coming out of Florida State, that first year, basically a redshirt year. Um, we saw him develop into a role player last year, gave him some nice snaps off the edge. Uh, and now this year, it looks for uh, another step up. He, he just looks more and more comfortable, uh, you know, seems to be processing things a little bit more in terms of, uh, you know, his pass rush plan and being able to have answers for what the opposing offensive lineman has for him early in the down. Just seems healthy. I mean, that's the big thing is there's no question about the athleticism coming out of Florida State. You know, you heard how he was, you know, one of the top overall football prospects coming out of high school. And I know Ben loves looking back at guys' high school careers to see what kind of pedigree they had when they were making that jump to college. But, you know, you mentioned the red shirt year. It was a good chance for him just to get healthy, you know, coming off that devastating knee injury that he had during his college career. Um, but he just brings a different uh, level of juice so it's be coming off the edge there, but still has enough size, I think, that he can handle the run. That's that's a big key here is because when you have guys like, you know, Jannard Avery, um, who's still silent, who's silent from practice. I missed him earlier. Joe Osman as well. Those guys, they, they can bring the heat, but you wonder if they can hold up against the run. Josh Sweat showed last season, being that number four defensive end, that he could definitely handle both roles, but definitely was was touted very highly going into last season. I think he's a little more under the radar this year, but I think his level of play has been that much better, just that much more consistent, um, that he's really going to factor into the defensive end rotation here, Ben. Yeah, Fran, you know, I'm really excited for Jalen Mills in the middle of the defense. Obviously, we know he's a tough kid. He's going to stick his nose in and run support and be fearless. But getting those opportunities to also blitz the passer, we know how involved Malcolm Jenkins was the last four or five years in Jim Schwartz's scheme, not only contributing to the run, but getting to the quarterback, not only chasing from the backside, but being a focal point blitzer. I think Jalen Mills is really going to excel in that role. And just the fact that with Mills, if you need him to line up, you know, as a corner, he can do it. You know, same thing we talk about with Malcolm Jenkins filling all those roles, but it's just he's not a liability in coverage if you need him to be in that specific man-to-man role out there. He could take on some more matchup roles. If there's an athletic tight end one week, he might be the guy to go step outside the numbers and go toe-to-toe with a, a heavier option, which we know is physicality. We know the pedigree at corner and safety. That's certainly a role and a versatility you just love to have on the back end of the defense. Ooh, that brings up a moment from practice earlier this week where uh, he was going against, lined up against Zach Ertz, and uh, Zach Ertz was staying in line to block Mills, and Mills was getting a little uh, chirpy with them afterwards, just relishing the contact and being able to be physical with uh, the amazing tight end. 
Jalen, one of my favorite players, just to uh, watch uh, play football on this defense. Uh, last one, guys. Uh, they went full team on this one where uh, ones versus ones, twos versus twos, a uh, little bit of a longer session here. Um, Carson Wentz hooked up with Deshaun Jackson on the very first play to the right side. Uh, Carson Wentz scrambled on, on a couple plays as well. Uh, Malik Jackson got home for another pressure. He just seems to be constantly disrupting. Uh, and then Jalen Hurts uh, getting home or able to take off on a scramble as well. Uh, Malik Jackson has just been impressive every single day. It just feels like he's doing something in the backfield. We already mentioned him a couple times uh, here today. I'm just, I'm excited, man. I mean, especially you get Javon Hargrave back as well. Um, just seeing that rotation inside with Fletcher Cox and Malik and uh, with Javon Hargrave and, you know, with Hassan Ridgeway and the camp that he's had really exciting stuff from this Eagles defensive line on the interior. You know, that Malik Jackson, it reminds me of the golfer just striping it at the range before his round. It's like, I've seen enough. I've seen enough, Malik. I want to see it in the regular yeah. season. He's shown us every day in right. practice. Now let's go see it out on the course. I'm really excited for his season. It's funny because you you mentioned Javon Hargrave. I'm like, you kind of forget that he's on the team just because yeah. he's out of sight, out of mind. And you're like, wait a second, we're going to add that to the mix when he gets healthy. Uh, it's just going to be a tantalizing prospect for Matt Burke and what he can offer w- with that defensive line rotation. No question. It's going to be really fun to just watch that group uh, cut it loose here when we, uh, two weeks from tomorrow um, as we record this. Well, guys, uh, tomorrow we've got a scrimmage at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, I believe it starts right around noon Eastern time, so we should have a podcast up at, we'll say, 4.30, 5 o'clock, uh, hopefully a little bit uh, right around that time on Sunday afternoon. Make sure you check that out. Uh, again, you just can stay subscribed right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade CMAC. Ben, I will talk to you both tomorrow. Great stuff from Ben and Chris. You can follow on Twitter just like I do at Ben Fennel underscore NFL and at CMAC Eagles. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know, I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, and I want to give a shout-out to HN Dynasty Dude who left a five-star review saying, Love the Duff. Really appreciate that saying. He ain't annoying at all. They're really a, a, a riveting review there from HN Dynasty Dude. Saying great podcast. Always love when Greg Cosell is on. Like I said earlier, Our episodes with Greg, they start a week from Monday. They're right around the corner. Really, really excited to talk about this week one matchup. The Eagles going up against the Washington football team. We will be doing that nine days from today as I record this. Uh, Really, really excited to get things going. So again, if you have any questions, if you you just want to throw us your support as we get ready to gear up for the regular season, go on to Apple Podcasts, search for the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, leave a rating, leave a comment, and we will, uh, if you leave a question, we'll answer it here on the show. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I am Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you tomorrow.